Hello and welcome to Kiwi Rider Podcast. My name is Ray here and great to have you along in October. If you've, if this is the first episode of the podcast you've listened to, welcome along. Great to have you along. Uh, we are a, 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 a motorcycling podcast made by Kiwi Riders for Kiwi Riders. What we do is create motorcycling content we hope you enjoy from all walks of life when it comes to motorcycling. We're talking dirt, adventure, enduro, track, sport, touring, cruising, anything. We'd love to share it with you. And if you've got a story or a story idea or you want to hear about something, please do get in contact with us. Or you can uh, you can get on us uh, on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok under the handle Kiwi Rider Podcast. Or you can email podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. As I said, my name's Ray Heron. And in this episode, the Tenere 700 turns two years old. We've got some new products from our friends at Cardo. Quadlock have got some new bits and pieces out. But we're going to kick this podcast off with a story about Pod K8 knee braces. Now, if you're not used to wearing a certain piece of protective clothing, then when you do first put it on, it's going to feel quite foreign and it's not going to feel comfortable. And if it's not comfortable, then you're not going to want to wear it. For most people, there needs to be an obvious reason for something or they're just not even going to try it. Boots, helmet, gloves, these all make sense. But knee braces, are they really required? I was invited to try out some pod knee braces. At first I thought, well, aren't they just for top-level riders? I'm not, you know, a cross-country champion. I'm not a motocross guy. I just toodle around and do my own thing at my own pace. Do I really need them? But I went along and got sized up and tried them on for a few rides and was surprised. But before I go into my findings, let's look at the braces themselves, what they're made for and what they're made of. Pod is an Australian company making a range of knee braces from entry-level K4 right up to the ones Chris Birch wears the K8. Pod, P-O-D, stands for Protection On Demand. The K8 brace is the flagship. It's the top offering from Pod. The K8 is the stiffest and lightest brace Pod makes. They're usable for more than just off-road motorcycling as well. Other uses include CrossFit, skiing, snowboarding. The list goes on, really. The material they're made out of is very, very hard-wearing, and they're quite versatile. The material they are made out of is is a bit different to the other offerings available. The chassis of the brace is made of carbon fibre. The top and bottom cuffs are made of a little more flexible material, more like a, uh, I don't want to say plastic, but more like a composite plastic. Meaning they have a wide range of fitments for different sized riders. There's also overlapping removable kneecap protection. The upper is made of a nylon and the lower is a CE rated uh, material that provides protection regardless of whether you're sitting or standing. The brace has four numbered straps. The numbers are which order you are meant to do them up in. The straps directly above and below the knee are meant to be quite tight to keep the brace in place and working properly. And then the upper and lower straps attached to the cuffs are firm but a bit looser and these provide a little more comfort and stabilisation. 
The K8 uses a foam lining instead of material, meaning they don't absorb sweat, they don't absorb smells, and they're easy to clean. They're pretty hardy, with few moving parts, which means they're going to last and they're going to protect for a long time. The Pod K8 is one of the only offerings on the market that is a rated Class 1 medical device. So if you're recovering from an injury, then maybe speak to your doctor about whether they're going to aid in your recovery. They also have a five-year warranty. Okay, right, this is all well and good, but what do they do? Well, they're built to protect the ligaments and cartilage in the knee. They work to stop overextension of the knee and keep everything aligned. The main way they work is by transferring force. Think about this, you're riding off-road, you hit a slippery tree root for example, the front washes out and the first thing a lot of riders are going to want to do is put their foot out to catch themselves. Now this can put a lot of force through your leg and the knee is the weakest point in your leg. It's prone to soft tissue damage. That could put you off the bike for 6-12 to 12 months. If you were wearing pods, the knee joint is supported. The force is transferred instead of through the soft tissue in the middle of the knee, through the chassis of the brace. So instead of that force going directly into the knee, it's redirected to the thigh, which is the strongest muscle and the strongest bone in the human body. Now that can take a lot more force, meaning you're less likely to suffer an injury. The Pod K8 won't let the knee rotate laterally, so if you snag your foot, you're less likely to cause damage. And a lot of top-level riders say that they would rather break a bone than cause, soft ta- than cause soft tissue damage to their knee, as bones can heal much better and much quicker. Soft tissue damage, as I said, 6 to 9 months, maybe 12 months, and that's if that soft tissue damage heals completely. Now before I got the pods, I was riding the Beta RR430 on the street near my house and lost the front end. You might have heard it on the podcast, I did tell you all about it. It was a slow crash, it was probably about 35 kilometres per hour and I hit the ground on my left hand side. I've done this fall many times over the years on dirt and suffered no damage at all. However, this time I was on the road and I was sore. Thanks to my gear... I didn't sustain much more than slight abrasions to my skin and some bruising. However, my left knee twisted in the fall and I was limping around for a good 8 to 12 weeks afterwards. Now, I can't say for certain that if I had been wearing the Pod K8s, then I would have been fine. But this is the exact sort of injury that these devices are there to protect against. Since then, I've worn the Pod K8 knee braces both on my Tenere 700 and on the better RR430 in a variety of different conditions and terrains, and I'm pleased to report they're rather comfortable, even more so with the optional sleeve worn under them. I expected them to be bulky, heavy, and move around or slide down my leg, but I've not actually experienced much of that. They stay in place, and you almost forget you're wearing them. They do feel a bit foreign when you first start wearing them, but much like a new pair of gloves, you soon get used to them. Most recently, as you would have heard on the podcast, I took the Tenere 700 to a trail ride in absolutely atrocious conditions. It it rained the whole day, and this caused the trails to get very chewed up. Riding such a heavy bike, the Tenere 700, in slippery conditions, you're not exactly sure which way the bike's going to go, and I was thankful when I did need to put a foot down that I had the extra protection. When I inevitably dropped the bike, I was able to get up completely unharmed and carry on. 
The Pod K8 knee braces have become an essential part of my kit for off-road riding. Sure, they do take a little longer to put on, but I'd much rather take an extra five minutes to get ready for a ride than take 12 months off the bike because I blew my knee out. You can check out photos and more on this story, the Pod K8 knee braces, up at MotoNZ.com. And if you've got any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out. Just interrupting this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast to let you know it's spring. Have you thought about your motorcycle insurance? Protector Insurance do a massive range of motorcycle insurance. It's motorcycle insurance by motorcyclists for motorcyclists with some awesome benefits like they can give you the booking fee for your Ride Forever course back. They can cover not only your bike but your gear as well and they can do track day cover. So check out protectorinsurance.co.nz and get a quote today. I was incredibly surprised I even saved money on my policy. Protectorinsurance.co.nz. That's P-R-O-T-E-C-T-A insurance.co.nz. And thanks, Protector, for sponsoring this episode of Kiwi Rider Podcast. The Yamaha Tenere 700 long-termer is now two years old. Apart from the occasional test bike, I've been riding the Tenere 700 pretty much every day for the last two years. It's closing in on 30,000 Ks. And since buying the T7 in October 2020, I've managed to take it on pretty much every terrain imaginable. Seal, gravel, mud, rocks, beach. And how does it stack up? Am I still in love? Or is there something else that I'm looking out to replace it with? Content creators and journos all over the world have gone on and on about how good that CP2 engine is. So I'm not going to bore you with that, except to say that moving from my previous MT-07 with the Lamb 650cc variant, variant or version of the engine, Uh, to the full fat 689cc was a positive move. I've never really been wanting more power. It's been nice to ride other test bikes with bigger engines and more power from time to time. But every time I get back and swing a leg over the T7, I feel at home. I've never really been worried about what some identify as a snatchy throttle at low revs, nor have I ever really seen the need to look at mods to gain more power. It's been a great commuter bike, a pretty not bad tourer, and in the last nine months, I've really started enjoying gravel roads on it also. That's not to say that I didn't enjoy them before, but I think seat time and getting to know the bike over a long period of time, you can really experiment and try new things. During a gravel road section on the Moto Camping Expedition at the start of the year, I started playing with power slides, shifting the weight on the bike and drifting the rear wheel out in the corners. Something that looks cool and is enjoyable to do, but kind of ruins your tyres. Let's talk modifications. I started with the Outback Mototech crash bars and skid plate and have never really had an issue with them at all. The bars have saved my fairings many times. They're sporting a few scratches and scrapes, but they're still working well. And the skid plate has absolutely been a lifesaver. It's saved the undercarriage more times than I care to remember. If I take it off, you can really see the damage that it has saved and the scrapes that that solid metal plate has sustained. So if I was to do this all over again with a new bike, absolutely, Outback Motor Tech, I'd be sticking with them. 
I sourced a, uh, a set of short black levers off AliExpress, which I've not had a single issue with. The same units as I had on the MT-07. I quite like them. I like them. I like the feel, and they're nice and short, and of course they're black, which is brilliant. I'm still running the factory handguards, which have saved the bars and the levers a few times. And again, no issues with them, not be motivated to change them. Now this next modification, I got a lot of hate online when I released the video about it, but I lowered the Tenere 700. And in fact, I'm still getting a lot of hate when it comes down to it, but I've not noticed a single issue with lowering the bike. Now I lowered it with a set of Kubalink lowering links and the factory Yamaha low seat, and I don't regret lowering the bike in the slightest. Um, oh, well, that's a lie. I, the only thing I do regret is that the lower seat is a bit harder than the factory seat. But that said, the factory seat is far from plush anyway. In February, I proved that a lowered T7 could keep up with the rest of them on the Yamaha Adventure ride in some truly difficult terrain and on the um, the Scorpion STR Pirelli tyres, which most people turn up their nose at. Anyway, if you've been keeping up to date with my content, you'll know that uh, I have done a fair bit on the bike. Some mods have been good, others have introduced further issues down the line, but the first thing I did was the Ventura Evo luggage rack, and that stayed on the bike for the entire life. It's handy, and even if you're not using it with the Ventura bags, one reason it stayed on the bike is that there isn't a factory luggage rack or grab handles, so this kind of sorts that issue and you can strap larger items onto it and stuff no no dramas as far as luggage goes i've tried a fair few luggage solutions i'm still experimenting but here's what i come up with and what i quite like around town i'm happy to run no luggage at all but I often take the krieger t18 backpack when i head out as you never know when you're going to have to carry something that's just too big for your pockets uh, with the Ventura Evo rack on the back, I'm able to run three different sized Evo Jetstream packs, uh, which are pretty good for commuting and would handle the odd adventure or two. Uh, definitely good for touring, but I prefer to go for a waterproof solution when heading out for long, longer uh, full day or multi-day rides. So for a day trip, I'll take the Krieger T18 backpack and either a US 20 uh, from Krieger strapped to the pillion seat or the Ventura rack, or potentially the two Krieger OS 12 packs, either mounted to the crash bars or on the OS base set up uh, over the pillion seat like, uh, like panniers. If I need more space, then my options are to take the two OS 12s uh, and put them on the crash bars and then potentially look at buying a set of OS 18 packs for the OS base. Or I could ditch the base altogether and use the US 20 on the seat and maybe the OS 18s uh, out on the front rack. Another solution that I've used is Moscow Moto, which I'm really liking the Nomax tank bag. It sits quite nicely on the T7. Uh, I also picked up the 40-litre backcountry duffel, which I'm yet to test, um, but would either strap to the pillion seat or the Ventura rack. Probably no dramas. I mentioned tyres earlier on. People on the internet don't seem to like the Pirelli Scorpion STR tyres, but um, I quite like them. They come factory on the T7 and a few other bikes, and I've not really had much of an issue. I'm not a massive fan of the front tyre on gravel. I found it just a little unsure of itself and I swapped it out for a Midas EO7 Plus on the front. As for the rear, I got 20,000 Ks out of the first Pirelli, swapped it out for a Midas EO7 Plus, which lasted 5,000 Ks before getting a puncture, and while that was getting repaired, I put a second Pirelli STR on the rear. 
Uh, I've been running that for about 10,000 Ks, no dramas. Uh, even did the Yamaha Adventure ride uh, on that Pirelli STR. And although it was a little bit squirrely and squeamish on the uh, the really wet grass, um, the rest of the time I've not had an issue with it in the slightest. As far as maintenance goes, the CP2 engine is pretty stress-free. Oil filters and oil every 10,000 Ks. Valve checks at 40,000 Ks. I've done all the maintenance up to this point myself, but I may book it, may book it into Yamaha for a 40,000 K service check. Make sure everything is up to spec. I've had a Scott Oiler X-System 2.0 on the bike since I bought it at 1,800Ks, so it's pretty much been on it for its entire life. I haven't needed to do much in the way of cleaning or lubrication of the chain, just check that the reservoir on the Scott Oiler system is topped up, and that's pretty much it. They claim that a Scott Oiler can uh, as much as double the lifespan of your chain and sprockets. Um, I got 40,000Ks out of the factory chain and sprockets on the MT-07. I'm up to 30,000 on the T-7, so I guess that's not too bad. The bit, probably a bit more life left in those chain and sprockets, but I'm probably going to swap them out around about the 30,000K mark. The brakes on the T-7 are a bit average, which is only really noticeable when you ride other bikes as well as the T-7 back to back. I have a new set of Brembo pads and some replacement brake fluid on the shelf ready to go on the bike but as yet have not been motivated to do it. The front is not as bitey as I would like, but using both front and back brake at the same time pulls up the bike pretty well. So the Tenere 700 has never let me down. It's been reliable through all conditions and carried both me and all my luggage from one end of the country pretty much to the other without complaining. In the two years I've done, in the two years I've had it, I've completed 30,000 Ks, seen some sights and experienced some amazing riding with some awesome people. I've ridden other bikes and always been happy to come back to the T7. And if I had the chance to do it all over again, I probably would do the same mods all over again. Since buying the T7, I've never really looked at any other bikes as far as trading in on. It may not be the bike for everyone, but it certainly is the bike for me right now. And I quite like it. So if you haven't ridden a Tenere 700, highly recommend it. We've got some new products on the horizon from Cardo. The team at Cardo have been thinking outside the box and we're stoked to announce the brand new Cardo Outdoor. With this new device, you get all the benefits of your Cardo Pack Talk device, but you don't have to be on your motorbike to enjoy them. The Pack Talk Outdoor allows sport enthusiasts to communicate with each other on the go and hands-free without the need for a cellular data. Powered by the revolutionary wireless hands-free intercom system DMC, natural voice operation and sound by JBL, the PackTalk Outdoor packs the best technology Cardo has to offer into a sleek design for the smoothest communication experience on the market. With up to 10 hours talk time, multiple mounting options, IP67 waterproof rating, it means you can take your Cardo Pack Talk outdoor anywhere you like during any season and enjoy the passion of your activities with your friends and family. So basically, it is a Cardo system that you can put on, say, you know, your, your push bike helmet or something like that. Pop your speakers in, 
and run a microphone and you're away laughing. The other cool bit of kit, continuing the out-of-the-box thinking from Cardo, they've released the Talk Edge for off-road vehicles. We're talking ATVs and four-wheel drives. It's called the Talk Talk Edge Off-Road. Photos and all the specs of these new devices from Cardo is up at MotoNZ.com. And for a final segment this week in the show, we've got some cool new kit from Quadlock. Now, Quadlock, uh, you'll know them as the phone case manufacturer. They make a mount that uh, attaches to the bars of your bike, keeps your um, your phone nice and safe, and of course, you can see it and use it while it's on the bars there as well. I've been using one for years, many, many years. Um, I've done probably the best part of 80,000 Ks on a motorbike with my phone attached to the bars of my bike. But Quadlock, they have been making um, new cases for new phones as they've been released, and they've got some new bits and pieces out. Right, so we are talking the Quadlock Mag case. Now, previously, it was just a composite rubber case. You put your phone in it, had a socket on the back of it. You put the quad lock itself on the bars or somewhere on your bike and you clamped it on there and it wouldn't move. It locks on. But they've also now got the mag case. Now, this has a a metal kind of bar in the back of the case. It's all hidden away there. looks exactly the same as the other cases, but um, what you can now do is use inductive charging with your phone with it. So, we've got the mag mount dual wireless desktop charger, which has two charging uh, rings on it. It's got the quad lock for your phone, which is kind of up off the desk and then there's uh, another one in the base plate of the unit so you can charge say your uh, Apple AirPods or something else with an inductive charging setup. Uh, Of course we've got the uh, the the poncho, the rain poncho, keeping the mud and the rain off your phone on those dodgy wet conditions. And the back of the case now has a space for these coloured rings, the mag accessory mag ring. These come in green, pink, orange, red, blue and grey. And of course the black one that comes with the case. So they're changeable if you want to personalise your phone that way. That's quite cool. And installed on the Tenere 700 now, Instead of just the standard quad lock head, I've got the weatherproof wireless charging head, which it replaces the head on the quad lock on the bike itself, but has uh, a a weatherproof USB-C cable which runs down to a USB socket on the bike. And when I put the phone on there, it... um, it charges. It's brilliant. I no longer have to run a cable to charge my phone on the bike. Uh, locks in exactly the same way. It's got uh, a ring which uh, you push back to twist the phone and unlock from the the, uh, the mount itself. And I quite like it. It's been on the bike in some pretty wet, horrible conditions lately, to be fair. And uh, have, I haven't had an issue with that. It's charged. It's It's been fine. It's been great. So that's going to be on the bike for the next... Well, foreseeable future, and um, we're going to see how that goes. Um, I like it. I quite like it. Um, I quite like the phone without a case, which is it's kind of unfortunate that you have to run a case on the phone, but then if I ever drop the phone, I'd damage it. So I'm kind of saving myself there. And as a bit of a bonus story for you, I recently got sent a whole bunch of stuff uh, from Forbes and Davies. They are the people that do muck off. And I've tried the muck off anti-odor spray. I've tried the cleaning solution, which is pretty good as well. I've tried the helmet and 
uh, visor cleaner, which does what it says on the bottle. You know, it, it cleans your cleans your your stuff pretty well. But Markov Rain Shield, it's a re-waterproofer. Now, recently, the story goes, uh, I was out. I, I went to work. It was dry. I was wearing the Revit gear, and as, as waterproof as anything is. It rained that night, and on the way home from work, I got absolutely drenched. Uh, so I, ha- I couldn't wear that the next day. It was still drying. Uh, so I got my one-ton pants out of the uh, out of the closet, and I don't tend to wear them because they're, they're very warm, but they're terribly waterproofed. I mean, they're layered riding pants. They've got a waterproof layer, uh, thermal insulation, and then, of course, the outer shell. And they they do pretty well in cold conditions, but their the waterproofing's subpar. So I thought, all right, we'll try this. So I hung them up and I sprayed this Markov rain shield all over them and I let them dry. And then the next day I rode them to work, rode in them to work. Now I wore the uh, one-ton jacket and the pants, but only the pants had been waterproofed with the Markov rain shield. In comparison, the jacket soaked up all the moisture. Like, it was absolutely hammering down. The jacket got drenched. I was still dry on the inside, but I could feel that the jacket was damp and heavy and had soaked up the wetness. The pants, though, you know when you get a piece of material wet, it kind of goes a darker colour. You can tell that it soaked up the moisture. The pants repelled all the rain. And so they still looked dry. And I gave them a, you know, a quick flap, a shake, and all the water just came straight off them. I was bone dry in the pants. I got to say, muck off, rain shield, I was incredibly surprised. Um, it's very similar to if you've ever sprayed a waterproofing spray over a tent. It's very similar to that. In fact, something I've used previously, it smells very similar to. Slight um, vinegar smell while it's wet. But if you're looking for something to re-waterproof your gear, I don't know how long it's going to last, but I've got a 250ml bottle. I've used probably a quarter of it, and I am very, very impressed. So maybe something just to grab and keep in your your arsenal of tools. So one day when you need to go for a ride and it's absolutely hammering down, you know you're not wearing waterproof gear, you can spray it on and see how you go. I'm very impressed. Well done, Muckoff Rain Shield Re-Waterproofer. But that's about all I've got for you this week. This is Kiwi Rider Podcast. Thank you very much for sticking with us. If you want to get in touch with us and share your story or ask a question, I'd love to hear from you. You can email me, podcast at kiwirider.co.nz. You can get in touch through our social medias. Search Kiwi Rider Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, You can get hold of me through motonz.com, Matt's website, onthrottle.co.nz, and, of course, Kiwi Rider Magazine out pretty much uh, every fortnight, roughly twice a month. Uh, absolutely free for you to enjoy as well at kiwirider.co.nz I've been Ray here and this is Kiwi Rider Podcast keep the rubber side down, throttle on and we'll catch you in 7 days time